and welcome to episode two of the Sex Within Marriage podcast. My name is JD. I'm a marriage coach and a blogger at sexwithinmarriage.com. Today we're talking about getting rid of veto power in the bedroom. What does that mean? Uh, Let me start with a bit of an introduction. For the first eight or so years of our marriage, frequency of sex was a constant struggle. Uh, We would constantly be arguing about it when we were communicating at all. And uh, for a while we had uh, was defined as a sexless marriage, which uh, means you had sex 10 or less times in a given year. Uh, We even had a nine-month span where we didn't have any sex at all uh, during one of the earlier pregnancies. And arguing about sexual frequency is fairly common in marriage, I think. I talk to a lot of couples, and it it comes up a lot. Most of the time, uh, spouses have, uh, we say, mismatched drives, which means one spouse has a higher drive than the other one. Their spouse is obviously lower. Um, But I don't think uh, mismatched drives is a problem. I think it's more about who has control. And when you're talking about sexual frequency and who has the power in deciding that, tends to be that the low drive spouse is the one that has all the power in that. They sort of have veto rights to say, uh, yes, we're having sex tonight, I'll allow it, or no, we're not, because I don't feel like it. And I think this goes against what the Bible teaches us about marriage and about sex. Uh, I don't think a marriage should be based on one spouse having veto power over the other. For example, we see in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 5, I read this from the New Living Translation because I like how they've worded it. Uh, it says, do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So this right here says that you know one spouse does not have the right to deprive another, that one spouse does not have veto power, or at least should not have. In that very first part, it says, you know, do not deprive each other of sexual relationships. And often I find it's the lower drive spouse that kind of defines what depriving is. Um, they'll tell the higher drive spouse, oh, well, you want sex too much, um, therefore I'm not depriving you. Uh, you're the one who's wrong. But that's not kind of how it works. Um, if if we feel deprived, um, that's that's how we feel. Nobody else gets to tell us that, oh, no, you're not. Uh, that doesn't change how we feel. It doesn't change our reactions to it. And But I see that that's what happens in a lot of marriages, that the lower dry spouse just figures, well, I'm normal and you're not. And that's a very... Um, sort of contemptuous way to stand to say, you know, I'm the one who's right all the time and you're the one who's wrong. Uh, when I think both of them uh, were created um, the way they are, that, you know, they either have a high drive or they have a lower drive. Um, I don't think that's necessarily right or wrong. It's just different. But often the assumption is made from the lower drive spouse that, you know, they are kind of the proper uh, amount of libido. And the higher drive spouse is is not. They kind of get around this by saying, oh, well, I'm not depriving my spouse because they're not really deprived. They just have bad expectations. Stereotypically, this is the wife who is the low drive spouse, but I'm finding more and more uh, as I continue to blog and I, as I continue to coach clients that 
I'd guess in a, probably about a quarter to a third of marriages, the wives are actually the ones who are higher drive. And I think about in about one out of every 10 marriages, it's the wife who's being denied sex. Uh, she's the one that's being deprived by her husband. And he's the one saying, you know, you're wrong, you're broken, you know, you shouldn't want this much sex. And that's an incredibly hurtful thing to do, especially when you're fighting against a stereotype that tells you that you're not supposed to want sex as much as you do. So this whole idea of saying, okay, well, if we can't deprive each other, then how does this look? Then that means that no one has a veto power over the other one. And instead, you kind of both have to agree not to have sex in order to not have sex. Now, the most common reaction I get when I suggest this kind of thing is, um, but my spouse will want sex every night. And, and my first answer to that is, so what? Is that, is it really a problem? Um, most people enjoy sex. And if you don't, um, you probably either need to seek professional help. Maybe there's a medical problem, you know, which is causing you physical pain, or maybe there's a psychological problem that is calling you, causing you emotional or psychological pain. Uh, but more often than not, uh, it's a mindset, chi- mindset shift that needs to happen, or you just need more practice because um, sex should feel good. And if it doesn't, then uh, you probably need to get a lot more practice in. And this will solve that problem too. The second answer I give is that, yes, it's possible that your spouse will want sex every night for a while. But most of them will kind of slowly start to slow down a bit. Sometimes, especially as a high drive spouse, what you think you want is, you know, I want sex every night or twice a day or three times a day even. And then when you get as much as you can, um, you later realize that I, I don't actually want this much. It's too much for me. We had this in our own marriage. Uh, when we changed this dynamic, when my wife decided, uh, after doing a lot of reading and a lot of soul searching, we had a conversation about sex and who controls it. And at the time it, it was her. Um, she, she had absolute veto power over sex and, one day she decided she wasn't going to say no ever again. And that was a huge shift in our marriage. And that didn't like solve all of our problems, of course, but it was a big step um, for her in changing how she viewed it and how not to use it to control. When she did that, I kind of went a little crazy and I became this, yeah, I want sex every night. And we did for 12 days straight. And then we took a one day break and had sex for another 10 days. Uh, and for a few months, I think two or three, we had sex probably nine out of every 10 days. And in all honesty, we both had a lot of fun and it allowed us to um, connect in a way that we never connected before. Um, not just sexually, but uh, it changed so much in our marriage. Uh, we started communicating better. We became more affectionate. We became more loving. We became uh, a lot of things. It, it is really what kicked off uh, some huge changes in our marriage. Um, but after a while, I started to realize that it was too much for me. I couldn't keep up with that kind of pace. 
uh, and so we slowed down uh, a bit uh, to kind of uh, once every we slowed down to about two out of every three nights I think and then uh, things have shifted a bit uh, as we've had kids and gone through more pregnancies and been through uh, breastfeeding years and everything you know that that number shifts around a lot it's not like it's been constant since then uh, but the dynamic has stayed constant that she still will not say no uh, although someday she makes it fairly clear that uh, she would really prefer not to <laughs> in favor of sleep and and I respect that and it makes it a lot easier to say that's okay let's go to sleep because I know that it won't be weeks or months before we have sex again. I heard this story once about a boy who was adopted. And when he was adopted, they noticed a very peculiar behavior about him. Whenever they had supper, he would stash some of it into his pockets. And they would be constantly finding it, like in his pants pockets, in his jacket pockets, uh, in, in his sweaters, uh, anything that he had that had pockets on, it would be full of food. And they couldn't figure out what was going on. And then one day they realized, you know, the the family where he came from, there was never enough food. So he was constantly storing food because he didn't know when his next meal would be. And so when he finally got to a family where there was enough food, uh, he didn't know how to deal with that. He just basically gorged and stuffed his pockets. And he still had this habit of storing up food because he didn't know when the next meal was coming. And it wasn't until they, they figured this out and they kind of walked him through the house and they said, look, he, our fridge is full. You know, the pantry is stocked. You know, if you are ever hungry, there is food for you and it's not going to go away. Uh, he he finally realized this after a few months and stopped and slowly stopped doing that. And I think the same thing kind of happened in our marriage that uh, as soon as uh, we got to a place where I was being fed in this in this manner, kind of that that there was this constant source of intimacy, um, I gorged and I I wanted it all the time, and I always wanted to make sure you know we can do this again tomorrow, right? And and it was like that for a while until my brain finally realized that hey you know, the pantry's always going to be stocked. There's always going to be more just around the corner. And so I don't need to stuff my pockets full. I don't need to have sex every night uh, because I know that if I ever do feel the need or if I feel that we're drifting or if I'm missing out on that intimacy, that my wife will be there for me. And that, that was, that's a huge change. And I don't think I can adequately describe just how fundamentally that different that is from the way our marriage was before. Now, this changed our entire dynamic of our marriage uh, for the positive. It changed both of us to think more about not what I want and what I need, but more what does my spouse need and what can I do for them. And that's a shift that that you can't make people do. Too often I get uh, my blog readers coming to me saying, you know, how do I get my spouse to do this? And in the end, you can't really force them to. They have to come to it on their own. Uh, 
the best you can do is make a loving environment where it's easier for them to do it. But if you think your spouse might be uh, receptive to this idea, one thing you could do is share this episode with them and just have them listen to it and just ask, hey, what did you think? And they might get upset and rail at you and and accuse you of all kinds of things. Um, But the idea will at least be in their head. If you are the low drive spouse listening to this and you're thinking, well, how can I do this? How can we change this? How can I shift this mentality? So one way to start would be to start going to bed naked. And my wife, Christina, once she decided she wasn't going to say no anymore, um, one of the things she did was to start going to bed naked every single night. And that sounds a very clear message to say, hey, I'm available to you. Uh, without having to come right out and say the words, which I know is kind of scary to a lot of low-drive spouses. So this is one way that you can just kind of, well, it's more than a hint, but it's a baby step. Another way is to actually initiate sex more often. That sends an even clearer signal to say, hey, you know, sex is available if you want it. You know, I'm available if you want it. If you want to reconnect with me, we can do that. So those are two kind of very quick ways that you could start on this. For those wives who are struggling in this department and you say, yes, I want to make this change, but I I don't even know how to start. And I've got all this kind of baggage about sex and about my body and about, you know, I want you to consider uh, checking out my course. Uh, I wrote a course a while ago called uh, Becoming More Sexually Engaged for Christian Wives because I had so many wives saying, okay, I've, I realize sex is important and I've realized what we've been missing, but I don't know how to start and I don't know how to change where we are. And I have all these things that I was taught as a kid and I need to unlearn them and I don't know how to start unpacking that. So my wife and I, we wrote a course, uh, teaching wives basically how to start to become more sexually engaged. Uh, because I think that that's a huge question out there. So if you want to check that out, um, check out the show notes. Um, you can go to sexwithinmarriage.com slash SWM002. Um, you can see the show notes there. And uh, down at the bottom, there will be a link to the course. Right now, during the month of November, we have it on sale for 30% off. If you're listening to this podcast and it's still November, you can use the coupon code podcast to get another 10% off. Check that out. Uh, and if you think that can help you, then I urge you to sign up. The wives who have gone through it, uh, I, I get the most amazing emails from them saying how much their entire marriage has changed, not only in the bedroom, but it has changed. It's turned their entire marriage on its head. And some of them, they're just flabbergasted at how much they didn't realize that not having a healthy outlook on sex was hindering the rest of their marriage. Uh, So check that out. Also, this year we're running weekly marriage challenges for everyone. Um, Every week we've got a new challenge to kind of help you stretch yourself a bit and grow a bit and try something new. So check out our latest marriage challenge and uh, we have a new one up every week and they'll be in the show notes again. Other than that, you can check out my blog at www.sexwithinmarriage.com where I've got over 200 posts all on marriage and sexuality and how does that interact with Christianity and 
and basically everything to do with all that. Uh, so check it out. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, if you have questions that you want to have answered on the podcast, uh, you can go to sexwithinmarriage.com slash podcast and you can either email me a question or you can submit one anonymously and I will do my best to answer them. So until next time, I hope you have a great week and we'll see you on the next episode.